What up, your boy Fernando, a.k.a. Mr. Good Vibes Only. Welkom bij een gloednieuwe podcast, Real Talk. De podcast over motivation en hoe je je leven naar een ander level gewoon kan brengen. Nou, dat doe ik aan de hand van verschillende verhalen. Je weet het, over de jaren heen heb ik heel veel bijzondere mensen mogen interviewen. Ik ben in Amerika geweest, daar mensen geïnterviewd in Nederland. Je kent de verhalen, je kan het googlen of check gewoon mijn kanaal. Abonneer, like, subscribe en dan vind je nog meer bijzondere verhalen. Vandaag heb ik een man in de building. Deze man ken je ongetwijfeld van een van zijn grootste hits samen met P. Diddy. I Need A Girl. Die man heeft ook een eigen album gehad. Maar op een gegeven moment hebben we niks meer van hem gehoord. Is hij uit de muziek gestapt. Uh, het enige wat we nu van hem horen is dat hij, dat hij is bekeerd. Mijn vraag is, uh, wat is er in zijn leven veranderd waardoor hij zich heeft bekeerd? Gaat hij ooit nog muziek maken? Is hij er helemaal klaar mee? Zoveel brandende vragen die geblust moeten worden. Je weet het, alleen een real talk. De interviews in het Engels. Uh, ik hoop dat je op hebt gelet op school in het Engels. Uh, gaat helemaal goed komen. Mr. Good Vibes Only. Right here in the building. My brother Amir. Y'all guys know him as Loon. He used to be a bad boy artist. But right here, right now, in Amsterdam, in my studio. Real talk with Amir, a.k.a. Loon. My brother, welcome. Man, happy to be here, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. This is like a reunion for me. You know, I've been, I was um, in the Netherlands over a decade ago. Okay. So, you know, coming back now. This is definitely has numerous things, numerous yeah. things that, you know, are affecting me right now. How do you mean? Well, basically, you know, a lot of people don't know that, you know, last time I was scheduled to come here, you know, it was by way of Belgium. You know, I was supposed to start another tour in 2011, starting with, you know, Belgium. Yeah. So with that being said, that was the day that I got in car- I got arrested by yeah. Interpol and spent nine years in federal prison. I've been home for two and a half years, and this is my first time returning back to the place that I wasn't able to, you know, come into the country. Wow. And yeah, fulfill, you know, the requirements of the speech that I was invited to. So, you know, being able to come back now. Free and clear of any problems. Yeah. You know, this is this is like I said, there's so many different variations of emotions that comes with this trip. But you know, overall, I'm just just happy to be here. Yeah, yeah welcome, welcome. But for for the people that don't know the story, you were incarcerated for nine years. What happened that made you get locked up? Well, basically, it was a conspiracy that I was hurled in of an, a situation that took place before I became Muslim. Okay, so. The basis of it was a simple introduction. It's basically like I introduce you to somebody else. Y'all get acquainted. Y'all go ahead, do whatever y'all going to do. And turns out it's some you know nefarious things that led to y'all incarceration. Yeah. So now what happens with a lot of people who don't take accountability for the roles that they play in these particular situations, what they start doing, they start fishing. They start looking for someone that they can utilize to get time removed from their sentence. Yeah. And I just happened to be that individual. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you were, so they, because it, it was a whole drug thing that yeah. there was about smuggling, heroin, all that stuff. And oh, they put yeah. your name Put me in, in it, it, made me a distributor. And this took place like in uh, early 2008. I became Muslim in December 2008. Yeah. So everything that transpired in that conspiracy had nothing to do with me. I never saw heroin a day in my life. I might have did a whole lot of things, you know what I'm saying, in my life, but selling heroin was never one of them. Yeah. I never made a dollar with these guys. I didn't even know none of the, really none of my co-conspirators. Only the one individual that I introduced. So based on my prior history, yeah. see, I had prior drug convictions. 
So it's easy to frame that up in front of a okay. jury, you know, saying to make it look like this is a career, this is an ongoing thing. Yeah. But at the time, I was actually living in Egypt. I was studying, you know, Arabic. You know, saying I was in um, a couple of um, Arab, you know, language schools. <laughs> I signed up to a university, Al Azhar, and this is basically what my life was. You know, so traveling and giving talks to numerous countries around the world. Never suspected any problems, didn't get any signs or, you know, indication that I had any issues with the law. But like as soon as I landed in Belgium, you know, like they say, all hell broke loose. Wow. And and being incarcerated for nine years, that's something that takes toll on your mental state. It changes things. It gives you different perspective because you're you're locked in a box. So you get a lot of you get a lot of options to think about stuff. How, how, take us to, 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 the, to the moment you got incarcerated because there comes a moment that you have to go in jail and somebody yeah. says, nine years. What happens to you mentally? Could you take us in, in that in that? Well, the thing is, you know, as a Muslim, I live in my heart. I don't live in my head, you know? And that, and that, and that, and that actually becomes the basis of a lot of mental anguish when you're dealing with any matter. Because a lot of people just instinctively try to process everything in their head. You know, your head is kind of like a hard drive. You know what happens when you overload a hard drive? It either crashes or starts to run slow, which can be a depiction of retard, so to say. So for me, just wrapping my mind around the concept of, you know, this is about to be something that is ordained for me has nothing to do with any involvement or anything. This has something to do with has been decreed for me. So that is where the line gets drawn of excessively thinking about the situation versus in my heart just accepting that this is something that's about to happen. Just like any ride you get on. You get on the ride, you know what I'm saying? You know once you strap up, put your seatbelt on, you already accepted the fact that you're going for a ride. Yeah. Yeah. Don't make no sense complaining and bickering while you're in the car. You just, ex- you this accept, is it. This is it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So getting past that hurdle, I was able to really extract a lot of benefit from that time. Like, as you said, it gave me a lot of time to reflect on things. Yeah. Gave me a lot of time to think about things that, you know, I wanted to do in the future. Because I still had a future. Yeah. You know, unlike some brothers, they got life sentences. I had a I had a release date. So that gives you, you know, optimism. That gives you hope that okay, cool. When this day come, I'm gonna be prepared. Yeah. I'm not gonna waste this time. I'm gonna use this time to build myself up, to get stronger, to educate myself, you know what I'm saying, and, and kind of get a grasp of what's gonna take place once I return to society. Okay. And you read a lot of books to educate yourself. Yes, I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know what I'm saying, reading. Writing, not music, anything, but just, you know, exercising, you know, all faculties in regards of, you know, mind, body, soul, and just trying, like I said, prepare myself for a day when I get the opportunity to be better than I was before. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a stickler on that. I think every day I wake up, I wake up with the intention of being better than I was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about being perfect. It's trying to figure out how you can become a better version of, of yourself. That's it. Because a, a, a lot of people focus now on being 
perfect. You got a social media, you got everything. Everybody wants to make everything picture perfect, but nothing is perfect, man. Like, like I think that's the thing that uh, humbles you. Like when stuff like this happens, yeah, it makes you think about stuff that really matters. Yeah, yeah. Humility could be a choice or it could be circumstantial. Yeah, I'm a firm believer of that. Yeah, some people just genuinely are humble people. Yeah, some people got to be humble. True. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Which which one were, were you? Well, I think I I possess a certain level of humility that many people that knew me for years appreciated. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But yeah, I was still young, little cocky, little you know, had a little edge, little rigidness. Yeah. But humility was something I think I always possessed. Yeah. But I think that as I got older, that I accepted Islam and I learned the true virtue and reward of humility. So now that increases the humility based on the incentive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because we all doing something, you know what I'm saying, that has an incentive. Yeah. You know, no sane person could say something or do something without an intention. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just not, you know, you're not saying. True. Yeah. So with that being said, you know, I've embraced that concept and that understanding that, you know what, if there's a reward and there's virtue, yeah. nobility. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It comes with humility and me trying to be the best person that, you know, I can be for myself, for my family, and those in proximity of me, and so yeah. on and so forth, to let me hasten towards that virtue, that benefit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that I can be a better version of myself. And and, and you're still in the process because we're always yeah. in the process. Always a work always in progress. In process. And that's the whole thing, man, <laughs> that I, I, I actually sympathize for this generation. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of them looking for validation. They're looking for instant gratification. They're looking for things to, you know, justify how they see themselves. Yeah. You know, and that's something that starts internally. You don't need validation. Yeah. You just need to know in your heart who you really want to be. Yeah. And you just work towards it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you need to also, um, I think... A lot of people need to learn to love themselves. A, a lot of stuff comes from self-love and respect. Absolutely. If you if you don't respect yourself or love yourself, you will always be. It'd be easier to get you stray a, a certain way or yeah. or follow. You could be corrupted. Energies. Yeah. You could be corrupted. Yeah. Yeah. Because you gotta have some foundation. Yeah. Foundation is everything. Yeah. You know, we all know the story of the three little pigs. You know what I'm saying? One that had a house made out of straw. There's no foundation. Yeah. Blew that joint down like yeah. it was nothing. Yeah. Right? You know, you had one that was made out of, you know, something else, wood. Yeah. yeah. You know? But the one that was made out of bricks. Yeah. Stronger foundation. Yeah. Very difficult to, you know, maneuver. And religion is also a way to build your foundation. Absolutely. Have belief. Absolutely. Uh, know there's something greater than you, Allah. Yeah, uh, it's 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 the greatest thing ever. A lot of people, um, when they say, "What do you fear?" I say, "Allah and my mom." Yeah. It was like like my mom is the one that gave birth to me. Absolutely, and uh, Allah is the one that gave birth to all of us, life Absolutely. and energy. But it's 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 our way to figure out our way how to get to Him, or 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 or, or find our path. We're always looking. And and what I want to figure out is like, at one moment did you find your way to the Islam? And at one moment did you feel like, wow, this is it's, it's 
this is it. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I got to clarify that growing up, you know, I was raised as a Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, as a kid, I spent the majority, better half of a week in church and in church-related activities. My grandmother was in the United Negro College from choir. She was like the most steadfast and firmest Christian woman at the time I've ever known. Yeah. And she instilled that in us. And that was basically, you know, the regiment that we follow. So one thing about us as human beings is in our innate nature to know that there's only one creator, the heavens and the earth and everything in between. Yeah. As we grow older and learn how to understand who this creator is, that is when we start actually establishing a true understanding and relationship with God. Yeah. So for me, I think that being in the music business, which is a very overwhelming business, and I can't even imagine, you know, the toxicity level of it in this present state. Yeah. I only see things because I haven't listened to music in almost 15 years. Wow. Yeah, I don't listen to music. You know, from the day I became Muslim, that was the day I stopped smoking, that was the day I stopped drinking, and that was the day I stopped listening to music. And what was the reason that you, is it because it's, it's uh, because when you hear a lot of people uh, who are Muslim, yeah. some of them say, yo, music is haram, don't yeah. listen to music. Nah. Is, is that true? Is that nah, the music reason music is you- haram. I think that people who struggle with music, they try to find, you know, Islamic verdicts that have maybe either fabricated or weak narrations Mm -hmm. to justify their desire to listen to music. But it's, you know, consensus of scholars and is, you know, establishing legislation, whether it's, you know, the Quran or the Sunnah, the Prophet, that music is not permissible. So for me, there's no struggle, you know what I'm saying, to accept that. Because one, I've already endured everything that comes with the business, the lifestyle, the culture, everything that it encompasses. Yeah. So for me, anytime a person who ascribes himself to being a man, you have to make sound decisions. Yeah. And with me, type of man I am, is all or nothing. I, I, I'm not here to get a piece of. It's either all or nothing. Yeah. You know? So if I wanted Islam and I want to increase in understanding Islam, Adhering to, you know what I'm saying, its tenets and everything that conforms with the betterment of, you know, a quality of life. Yeah. Then I have to leave off anything that's contrary to it. So with the music, it wasn't such a thing for me because I already been there, done that. Yeah. So I think that people that struggle with it, you know, I just pray for them. I ask the Lord to make it easy for them. I'm never judgmental. I never try to like, you know, impose, you know, what's abundantly clear. Yeah. You know, that the music is not permissible, but I try to take a little more settled course because I know this is a condition that some people, yeah. you know, deal with. But, yeah, you know, in a nutshell, you know. There had to be a moment where you, because you've been through a lot, we're going to get in, yeah. in, into that in a bit, like how, how the whole music transition went and you being at, at the pinnacle of your career. But, like, there had to be a, a moment where you where you was like, okay, I'm going to go all the way for my beliefs. I'm going to convert. Yeah. What Was that just before you went into prison? or No, you... no, no. I was Muslim three years before I went to prison. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I went to prison in 2011. I became yeah. Muslim in 2008. Yeah. 
So what happened was when I severed my business ties with Bad Boy Records, I set out to do my own thing. I started a company called Boss Up Entertainment. So basically my intention at the time was to go out and prove to myself and the world that I could do this by myself. But why do you want to prove that? Why do you want to because prove I that? Because I think could... that what I established at Bad Boy was well-received, but in some cases it was overlooked. You know what I'm saying? As far as like me being the author of pretty much every big record that came out of Bad Boy while I was there. Okay, seriously? Yeah, I wrote all these records. Whether it's I Need a Girl, Part 1, Part 2, you know, Diddy, all, all the records that- Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, didn't know that I don't want to know Mario Wine's first single. I co-wrote on that. It's like, I was very instrumental in preserving, you know what I'm saying? So you also wrote an I Don't Wanna Know? Yeah, I co-wrote on it. Diddy's oh, wow. verse on it. And that's my verse. That was originally my verse. But I mean, you're still getting publishing off of that song because now absolutely. everybody is, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. You know, and the only reason why that was possible is because I had owned all the publishing. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So that's the thing. It's like, I understood the business. Okay. Even at that young age of coming in the music business, I understood the business. So now if... I feel like I can do better business yeah. on my own. It was a respected decision between Puff and I, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So it was definitely something that was amicable. It wasn't like we had to write, fuss, you know, fight, fussle, wrestle or anything. It was just yeah. like, yo, I've outgrown the situation. Because like normally someone would say, okay, you're writing all these hit records. Why not stay and keep writing and also do your own stuff? Why, why leave and... Prove something to yourself that you can do it on your own. Well, the thing is, it's very difficult when your CEO is an artist as well. Okay. And that's what people don't understand. See, that's you can come videos, up with, yeah, yeah, you can come up with all kinds of different depictions of who Puff is. But in all actuality, he's an artist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We try to give him the position of CEO, boss. Yes, those are that's a title he also holds. But overall, in his heart of hearts, he's an artist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there's a certain level of competitiveness that always resides with artists. Yeah. Whether they on separate, different, you know what I'm mean saying? amongst each other. Or among, yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's like gladiators. Yeah, yeah. You know, fighters gonna always keep sizing each yeah. other up no matter what. We could be friends for 10 years. Yeah. If I ain't seen you in one year and you've been working out, you you know what I'm saying, you've been calling me like, yeah, I'm, I'm on this new stuff. Yeah. I'm doing juice cleanse, all that. So as soon as I see you, I'm like, I want to see what the juice cleanse is doing. You know what I'm <laughs> so it's like, when you know that you're working with somebody who has the same aspirations and the same love and attachment yeah. that you share, yeah. that becomes a hurdle. Yeah. Even if it's not meant to be that, it yeah. just is. So when I wanted to separate myself, like I said, I had these aspirations to prove, once again, to myself yeah. and to everyone else who was able to bear witness of the success that came from myself, the company, and everything, the period of time I was there, Yeah, I was ready to shoulder, you know, the burden myself. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So what led me to Islam, now this is the kicker. Yeah. I'm traveling the world, you know what I'm saying? Trying to salvage whatever, you know, I suffered as far as from record sales. Yeah. You mean financially or mentally? Well, basically, you know, when my album was released, there wasn't any records that were really shipped internationally. Okay. Yeah, so whatever business decision was made to stump 
my growth as far as sales. It was done successfully. You mean the songs you wrote on and the, the albums you my did? solo album. Your solo album. solo album. It debuted at number six on the Billboard. Yeah. So, I mean, at that point, all you got to do is blow on it is number one. Yeah. So, how do you debut at number six? Like, most people at that time would tell you that a number one album most likely debuts at 22 and it propels up to number yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. If I'm at six, I'm way past the halfway mark. Yeah. So how do you not have the number one out? And that was like after you decided to leave. So you Yeah, you, based you on felt, that, I was just like, okay, okay I'm not gonna get into details and explain all yeah. how I felt, but lo and behold, I got slated. So yeah. now I was like, okay, cool. You know what? Let me remove myself. Yeah. Let me go do it by myself then. Cause since, you know, this has become threatening. Yeah. For either, you know, my partner, yeah. the business, the company. I don't yeah. know who I'm threatening. Yeah. At this point, but I don't wanna be a threat. Yeah. Let me go out and do what I need to do. Yeah. And whatever threat is no more. That's so strange because like, I I always think I have a, a mentality. If you win, I win. <laughs> I but mean, that's, that's more common than rare. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You have these rarities yeah. when it comes to certain individuals yeah. who don't understand that concept. Yeah. And a lot of that comes from not being in an environment where you amongst people who share a certain commonality in yeah. regards of hardship, adversities that we face. Yeah. It's instinctive for you to try to bear some of the burden of someone you care about and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. So it kind of lightens the load. Yeah. But if you're not accustomed to that, yeah. that's not going to register. Yeah. So so then you were uh, abroad. You 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 left the States. Yeah, I left the States. And why? Because you wanted to see how your career would flourish or would be... Overseas. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I'm over there. I'm like, I can't find a CD nowhere. That's strange, man. But I'm doing shows and they sold out. Yeah. There's no place to stand. There's nowhere to yeah. sit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like, wow. Yeah. I'm looking at DJs. They trying to sell 11 inches for $100. Yeah. yeah. It's the only thing that's rocking is they made sure, whoever the company made sure, there were records to be spent by yeah. DJs, yeah. but there wasn't nothing to be sold. Yeah. So at that point, I'm going overseas and I'm learning a lot about the impact of what transpired from my efforts in the States. Yeah. And I had to learn that on my own. Yeah. I probably would have never learned that if I'd have remained. Yeah. You know, so while I'm doing that, like I said, I'm set out to do one thing, but now, by law's guidance, I'm bumping into Islam. So the first place I endured an experience with Islam is when I went to Senegal. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Senegal's in West Africa, for those that don't know. You know what I'm saying? And I visited a place called Gori Island, which is the first slave houses that were ever built in West Africa. Yeah. So long story short, after I did my little show, my little party or whatever, because, you know, it was there too. Everywhere I was going, I was going for what I was familiar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't going there to acquire anything new. Yeah. I'm doing what I do first, and then if there's room for something else, I would always do that because that's a part of the learning experience yeah. of traveling. So anyway, I go to Gory Island. Long story short, you know, I was informed and educated that 60 million slaves had passed through Gory Island, but 6 yeah. million never left the soil. So at the time, you know, I'm like, I'm an ignorant young rapper. So I'm like, yo, they must have been some real niggas. Like, you know, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. But the brother that was educating me, like, nah, nah, they were Muslim. Like, what do you mean? He said they would not submit to no one other than God. And they fought and they died. Oh, wow. Understand? 
So yeah. just your reaction was my reaction. Yeah, like, yeah. wow, I'm an African-American. Yeah. Only thing that I'm aware of is all this fighting, killing, shooting, stabbing, robbing, and all of this is about color of skin. Yeah. You mean to tell me that there were six million men, the minority of a majority, who chose to stand, live, fight, and die for the sake of God? Yeah. That's virtuous. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. That's a better man than I ever known. Wow. You know? So that right there stripped me from black nationalism. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, as an African-American, only thing we really got to hold on to is our heritage, you know, our ancestry, anything that connects us to who we once were. Yeah. You know? And that's all we got. Yeah. You know? So now, I just learned that there's no need to, to, to give so much emphasis to that. Yeah. It's something greater. Yeah. How about dying for God? You understand? Yeah. So now, that was the first layer that was removed. The second, I went to Kazakhstan, which is in Middle Eastern Asia. This is Russia. So, I remember, you know, me, Mario Winers, we was invited out there for nine days as a guest of the president of Kazakhstan. Yeah. So, you know, we getting the the boss treatment. Boss slash ambassador slash, you know, superhero treatment. Yeah. So at the tail end of the um, tour, I remember we was backstage, we all back there blowing and everything. And I remember the president dude came in and was like, let me ask you a question. Like, yo, like when you see somebody, how you say, what's up? He was looking at me, said, salam alaikum. I'm like, nah, that's what the Muslims say. Because if you know anything about Kazakhstan, they're descendants of Mongolians. Yeah. So they have oriental features. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, nah, you probably say Tonyo Tonyo song or something. Yeah. He said, salam alaikum. So now at that moment, I'm learning diversity. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. in New York City, I only knew a limited demographic of Muslims in, in New York City. Yemeni brothers that had like the grocery stores or whatever. Yeah. Pakistanis used to have the pharmacies and the West Africans used to own the car services. So that's just from a New York perspective. That's all I knew. Yeah. You understand? So I didn't know anything else. So now I'm being exposed to a whole other demographic that exists outside of my scope or my range of understanding what demographic, you know, the Muslims, you know, uh, uh, sustain. So now the third trip, I went to the UAE. I performed in Dubai, did my thing. Everybody in the world know what Dubai looking like nowadays. It wasn't looking too far fresh from that before. Yeah. But after I left my show in Dubai, I went to Abu Dhabi. So when I went to Abu Dhabi, and I remember checking into the hotel you know, fooling around a little bit. And then I opened up the balcony in my room and I looked at the sun raising over the Arabian Sea. Yeah. And something just clicked. Oh, wow. That simple. So still to this day, I've never found words to describe what happened to my heart at that moment. But I knew it was all connected to the experience from Senegal to Kazakhstan to what was happening right then in that moment. And I knew that it was all synonymous with Islam. So I ran down to the lobby of the hotel, first Muslim that I found. I asked him, how can I become Muslim? And he looked at me like I was crazy. Like, what do you mean want to be Muslim? I said, I want to be Muslim. He said, you know, what do you know about me? I said, I want to be Muslim. So he said, okay, cool. Just, just, just raise your right hand. Raise your index finger. Repeat after me. And he said, Ashadu in la ilaha illallah. Wa ashadu anna muhammadan rasulullah. I repeated everything he said. He said, alhamdulillah, you Muslim. So I was like, nah, I was, I was, I was baffled. Like, ho, oh, oh. ain't nothing in life that simple. Nothing in life that simple. 
Yeah. I was born and raised in the streets of Harlem. You know what I'm saying? I didn't meet my real father till I was 33 years old. My mom was a gangster as well. She fell victim to drug abuse. My grandparents raised me. I fought 75% of my friends. We had to be, we had to fight before we could be friends. Nothing was simple. And that man told me in that moment, that brother, that that simple two testimonies was sufficient for me to wipe my slate clean and accept the truth that none has the right to be worshipped in truth but Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. And based upon that, that same simplicity has been the basis of everything that transpired in my life from that day to this very moment, me sitting on this couch. Wow. And and did it felt, do you feel, did it feel, do you feel like liberated or or, or like, Absolutely. wow, I, I'm like. Absolutely. Like a way the liberation comes from when you submit to the will of your creator. That is what a Muslim is. People don't understand linguistically. Islam means submission. It's already in everyone's heart to submit to God. But we just got different variations of what that means or what that entails. Yeah. Or how you describe that. Yeah. But Islam is not old. It's yeah. the religion of Noah. It's the religion of Abraham. It's the religion of Moses. It's the religion of Jesus. They all submitted to the will of God. So all these other terms that came from the messengership of certain other messengers yeah. was changed through time. But they were all Muslim. They were one who chose to submit to the will of God. So now the liberation comes from if you choose to be a slave of the creator, the heavens and the earth and everything in between, then that means you're free from every other form of slavery. Yeah. You can't be a slave to nothing else. You understand? Yeah. Wow. If I work directly for Jeff Bezos, I don't answer to nobody else at Amazon. Yeah. I don't have to answer to nobody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You True understand? That. Yeah. My allegiance, my, you know, loyalties and everything is contingent upon this one individual. So therefore, if anybody else at Amazon even utter they, I mean, split their mouth to give me any kind of command. <laughs> Leave me alone, man. I'm yeah. You. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to punish him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's the liberation that comes with Islam. It's like, I'm a slave of the creator of the heavens and the earth. I'm not his, I'm not his son, not his child, because he doesn't have any children. He's free from that. Giving birth and having children is deficiency. That's something that your creator is free of. He doesn't need children. Yeah. It's just like if I created a computer, do I need to become a computer to know how I work? No. Yeah. I created it. Yeah. So all of these different things that I was taught as a kid was just so confusing all the time. And that's why I said, when I learned about this simplicity, establishing this foundation upon this simplicity, everything, became, everything else became simple. Wow. That's amazing, man. And 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 in life, are you are you are you are you are you married? Do you have children? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. I'm married. I've been I've been with my, my wife for almost 28 years. Oh wow. Yeah, she So been. you met her in, in when you were streets. Loon from the streets. Whoa. That's what I'm saying. See, people don't, a lot of people lie. I, people don't know. I've been loon since I was 13. Yeah. I never chose a rap name. I was loon. And all of the songs that I'm doing is female oriented, you know, female driven. Yeah. The best side of myself that I can share. Yeah. Because prior to that, I was a predicate felon. I had moved to LA in 89. I was a Mansfield gangster crip. I was, I was, I was banging on both coasts. I was, I was intertwined wow. with all the things that correspond with Loom. 
Because but, when when I saw you in the video clips and I heard the songs, I was like, yo, this guy is smooth. He's like that guy. He's like, he's too smooth, too upper. And then when yeah. you tell these stories, I'm like, whoa. You, but you I were was like, smooth. Yeah, but like, but, like, but like when you tell the stories, it's like you were deeper than even people knew Like when it is your music. Thing. When you think, see, that's the thing. I think people get misconstrued with imagery yeah. and impressions. Yeah. We've been looking at gangster movies for years. You don't never see belligerent. Out of control, wild at the mouth. These are the people that just smile at you. Like, okay. And they bust a move. Yeah. All of the other people that, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people got that from yeah. like the, the NWAs, the Tupacs, and yeah. stuff like that. Everybody got the thug mentality. Yeah. I wasn't raised that way. How were you raised then? Take us I was the- raised by people who were always older than me. I never took advice or guidance from my peers. So in other words, I never was a follower of the blind because that's what's widespread today. You got young, inexperienced people seeking advice from other young, inexperienced people. Yeah. So for me, I've always been respectful to my elders because they preceded me is a reason why they running around this earth in their 30s, 40s when I was a teenager. Is a reason why now at the age I am, some of them are still around in their 70s. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason why. And you learn from the people that preceded you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can't learn other than from the mistakes that's made from your peers. True. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how you navigate through some of the things that come with being young. Yeah. You learn from the mistakes of your peers. Real talk, yeah, man. But you benefit yeah. from the mistakes of those that preceded you. Yeah. You understand? Hey, 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 hey you, uh, where were your parents? Because you just said that you met your dad when you became 33? Yeah, when I became 33. I mean, my dad, there was always within <clears throat> my family an understanding of who my real father was. So growing up, I may have, you know, claimed someone else to be my father, so to say. Okay. But that was from, you know, my mother's doing. But she knew better. Family knew better. It was just something that I was... So you didn't know who your biological dad was? Okay, wow. Nah, yeah. And when I learned who he was, I was 33 years old when I first met him. And we hit it off, you know what I'm saying? I seen a lot of comedy. It was just crazy to see, finally, where I got some of this stuff from. And what do you have from him then? What's the things that you... Well, I definitely has his physicality. Yeah. I definitely have his way of articulating things. Yeah. Because he's very sharp when he speaks. Yeah. You know, he's very calculated when he speaks. Yeah. He doesn't just say random stuff. Yeah. You know? He, um, I got my aggression from him, you know what I'm saying? And Are you aggressive? <laughs> I used to be very okay. aggressive, you know what I'm saying? Wasn't that anger just, just being bottled up? I mean, being I think missing that, your dad, maybe not seeing your mom, I don't know. I'm I just... think that later when I got in the music business, mm-hmm. that started to increase, you know what I'm saying? Because I felt myself losing control of myself or losing control of the things around me yeah. because I'm in a business now you know what I'm saying, that eventually has its own pilot. Yeah. It's different when you're in the street. You're in control of what you're doing, you say, and you're accountable for what you're doing, you say. Yeah. So you can set the limitations of how far in you go. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. Only sometimes circumstantially that could be interrupted by certain things that you just don't have no control yeah. over. But as far as actually stepping into the arena, knowing that these are the rules of fighting, you know what I'm saying? You yeah. can control that. True. You know what I'm saying? So when I say aggression, I'm from New York. You know what I'm saying? Everybody think New Yorkers is aggressive. Yeah. We are. Yeah. Even from the square that goes to a regular nine and five. Yeah. He's on a train bullying people every day. We're going, we're going, we're going to the left, right? Yeah. So you have to be that way in order to survive where I came from. Yeah. You know? And it's not always just aggression, it's really just being firm. Yeah. Because any wavering in that stance or that position, you could easily become food. Yeah. And and and, because I always like on on my podcast, we 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 often um, talk about the importance of having parents in your life, both. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of us are like raised, like I was, a lot of people that know the podcast, they know that I was raised by my mo- mom. Uh, my dad, I had a great conversation with him last week. He called me on my on my birthday and two days after we had a deep conversation about um, him not being there. And he was like, I didn't have the information. And instead of me becoming angry and saying, yeah, but you weren't there, I just talked like a grown up person and I was like but okay but could you explain it to me and then on, on the other hand I was also explaining to him I just wanted you to tell me that you love me and pick me up from school Sick. and teach me how to be a man and 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 I don't even I, I like I told him I don't even know your favorite food I don't know what yeah. like those simple things I, I miss that I, I said like now I'm a very successful radio DJ and then the host and I do a lot of stuff voice over yeah. interview everybody all my dreams I've I've But I, there's this little kid inside of me that misses Absolutely. the father role. So Absolutely. how was that for you? Did, did you, is it in any way relatable to you and your situation? Or? 100%, man. Listen, I had my grandparents. You know what I'm saying? May Allah have mercy on them. You know, my grandfather, he died at 96 years old. And alhamdulillah, he accepted Islam before he died. When I came home from prison, my grandmother, she was 91, fighting stage four cancer. And she also accepted the slam before she died. So the thing for me was, I knew what love was. I yeah. knew what structure was. Yeah. But like you said, is that kid inside, I wanted what I was supposed to have. Not really what I ended up with. Although I'm grateful. I don't have no discrepancies. Yeah. If I can change it, I wouldn't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the reality of it is, there is that kid inside that has to be suffice. Yeah. One way or the other. Yeah. And I agree with you totally. It would have been good to have a relationship with my father as a kid. But my grandfather, I would trade him for nothing. Yeah. Yo, he was a renaissance man. He was a fly dude. You know what I'm saying? He was the first black captain in the Army Engineers. He was a sergeant in, you know, World War II. Like, he was a military man. He was a Harlem Renaissance man. Like, my grandmother was a rock. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You had a role model. He was your role model. I was, he was my Very own, important. Yeah, very important, yeah. man. And it's like, he groomed me to be the type of man I needed to be. Yeah. To survive in the environment that I was in. Yeah. Because that's what you're talking about when it's a, 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 a void, you know what I'm saying, that needs to be filled by fathers and homes. Yeah. Because a father can only instill those things in you that prepare you to navigate through life as a man. Women try, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Some of them are successful, yeah. but the ratio is not as high as we would want. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's why I always look at people who have single parents, specifically mothers, 
and make something of themselves. You know what I'm saying? There's something extremely virtuous about a woman that could fill the void of two people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And those are the women, you know what I'm saying, that definitely deserve to be recognized. Yeah. Not overall, but yeah. at the end of the day, if you had only five minutes yeah. to give women their flowers, yeah. I would start there. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, like shout out there. to all, all single moms, all single moms that have to fill four shoes, um, father and mom at the same yeah. time because it's very hard. It's so hard because you have these kids. Um, they're unhappy from inside. They they know their mom loves them, but on the other side, they're missing. Because because I always thought that I also I told my dad like I always felt that he didn't love me enough. And I thought it was something that I did. So I did everything at school. I wanted to get the best grades. Um, I, I, I wanted to do everything at, at a high level. Because yeah. then I thought, if I do everything at a high level, he would come back. Yeah. So I did everything. Like I was like, okay, I want to be the number one radio DJ in Ellis. I want I want to talk to the biggest artists. I want to, like, even my, my, my dad, he loved, like, watching movies. So I was like, I'm going to play in a movie. <laughs> I just thought about yeah. even karate as a kid. Yeah. I went on karate because my dad used to be good at martial arts. Yeah. So I did all that stuff to impress him. And I told him that. And he was like very, he was like, wow, if I did if if I had known that it was troubling you that much, he would have put more effort in it. And he blames himself. He said, like, I didn't know. Because when he grew up without his father, he didn't, it didn't affect him that way it affected me because it affects people different. No question. But so it, everybody it, it has is a different... cycle though. It yeah. is a cycle because, you know, <clears throat> I come from a man that wasn't raised by his, fa by his father. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then I was, a you know, a man who wasn't raised by his father. Yeah. So I made it my business to be there for my children to yeah. the best of my ability. And I was fighting through that cycle. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because, you know, in my community, we taught to be providers. We're not really taught to be fathers. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. That's something totally different. Yeah. Because a father broke, rich, drunk, high, sober. That's a 24-hour thing. True. You know what I'm saying? And unfortunately, in our communities, we're not taught that because of all of the things that's in opposition of our yeah you know, brand the fatherhood, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot. And that's why I say I commend you on being, you know, considerate and compassionate towards, you know, giving him an opportunity to express, you know, his shortcomings. Yeah. Because you got people out there that ain't giving their fathers a chance. They ain't sparing No, nobody. no, no. They're, they're like, you know they're like angry. But like, yeah. I don't want to, I, I didn't want to be consumed by anger because like anger blinds your judgment because anger is, is is an emotion where you it's like it's like your ego it's like when your ego is touched you don't even want to hear anything the person has to say but I know that I ain't perfect and I know that my dad is also a human being so he would have also he would have his own flaws but I just want to figure out what he went through because yeah. I also have a son and I'm not with the mom but I do Look out for, for my kid. Yeah. Like, I'm obsessed with him. But it also hurts me that I can't be with my son every day. It breaks my heart. Yeah. And I have the stepson of mine, Damon, I love you. He's He was like sitting with me on the couch and he said, you know, um, I feel so sorry that your son doesn't see you as much as I see you. Uh, I yeah. mean, I can tell you, like my heart broke in a million pieces that a, a kid from seven 
felt the energy that I feel every day. People don't know that it hurts me that I don't see my son every day. I can see him when I want, but the job and everything I do like takes up a lot of time as well. And I want to build and what you said, provide for my son, make him proud, build something that he has something later on. Say, yo, you know my dad? My dad uh, was helping a lot of kids that used to be teased on school. He gave them a platform. Yeah. He spoke on his podcast at his talk show about kids that miss their father or their mother. Because yeah. this thing, what we're doing right now is is also an education form. Absolutely. I want people that listen or watch this podcast to think like, wow, um, I, I also feel what he's saying. I also have that pain. So our conversation yeah. might enlighten or help Absolutely. someone. So I feel that's that's one of my purposes. So I try to teach my kid, always try your best also to help other people if you can. You can't help the world by start piece by piece. Yeah. That's the legacy I want to yeah. give him. And that's what leads to this tour that I've been on. You know what I'm saying? So I came to the UK on the 14th and I just left the UK on the 1st. Yeah. And I gave two talks a night at many different masters. I visit a prison. I visit, you know, youth centers yeah. because it's important for people to understand me being Muslim, I'm not limiting myself to just reaching out to the Muslim youth. I, I reach out to the youth in general. Yeah. Because even in the States, I visit Clark, you know, Clark University, which is predominantly non-Muslim school. Yeah. You know, and another thing is, the classes there are predominantly women. It's sad, like it's not enough male. Wow. Males going to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah, actually, yeah. you know, visited a sociology class, a criminal justice class, you know what I'm saying? And talk about the subjects that they actually engaged in. Yeah. Because the one thing I've learned since I've been home, and I'm happy that most of my children are old enough where they miss this plague you know, and the challenges that come with this generation. Yeah. I mean, they're living in it. Yeah. But as far as them being at the age where the corruption is, you know, uh, 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 prevalent, yeah, they kind of miss that. But like you said, I feel a certain sense of responsibility because in my previous life, I was involved in a career, you know what I'm saying, that actually still to this day plays a very, very traumatic role in how these kids, you know what I'm saying, are being influenced. Yeah. So with that being said, I feel like there's a commonality with Muslim youth and youth in general that all of these communities are losing their babies. Yeah. From generational gaps. You know what I'm saying? Some of these kids are like first generation, you know, Westerners. Parents is coming from countries where there's a whole different culture, different traditions, different, you know, ethnicity, creed, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And they try their best to instill this stuff in their children, yeah. but they have to combat with this other set of parents that's waiting outside their homes. So for us, as elders, we have a responsibility not just to our own. We have a responsibility to everybody's children. True. Because when I grew up, you know what I'm saying, if I got in trouble in school and the news spread through Harlem, Harlem ain't really that big. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it would start from the school crossing guard 
Yeah. She might pluck me in my head after she done crossed me safely across the street because yeah. she heard I got in trouble in school. Everybody <laughs> yeah. loved my grandmother. Yeah. Everybody knew my family. So it was like, you know, my my uncle one time slid out of the crack of the darkness, all level, black level. He's like, yo, you trying to kill my sister? I'm like, yo. So it was like, we were more fearful of the adults in our community yeah. than we were the police. Yeah. We didn't care about no police. We was worrying about one of these adults catching us smoking a cigarette or doing something we weren't supposed to be doing. So nowadays what you have, which is a permissible form of selfishness in Islam, is that, you know, Allah commands us to save yourself and save your family. Yeah. So we get kind of a sequential order yeah. in how you save your community, starting with yourself and your family. You know what I'm saying? But now you have to extend that because you can create that bubble for your own family, right? Yeah. But ultimately that bubble becomes a prison. True. Because now you fearful of your kids going outside that bubble because you didn't invest anything to extend the width for that bubble. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's where I think that most of the rectification of the problems with the youth have to start. Yeah. We have to stop being afraid of the youth. We got to stop being afraid to communicate with them. We got to stop being afraid to relinquish some part of our authority just to have an even playing field for communication. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's why this tour is so important to me is that I'm investing in the youth right now yeah. because my youth, my family, we don't really have a sustainable future if we just selfishly think about ourselves yeah. and not think about your son, yeah. your stepson, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Whoever else children. Yeah. We have to consider all, you know? Yeah. And I think when we do that, what we do is we create kind of a, 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 a safe haven yeah. that expands outside the home. Yeah. And, and what are the different projects uh, you're busy with right now? Right now, I'm working on numerous things. First and foremost, you know, I am working on the book. I'm working on the seven-part doc series of my whole life because I believe that my story, if told correctly, in the platforms that are repetitive, amongst society are used properly to tell these stories. Yeah. Hopefully, it'll be something that could be taken away yeah. from whatever area of my life. Yeah. Because there's different transitional phases where people will be able to say, man, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. So I'm going to start from there. Yeah. You know, I might be on episode three and work my way up. Yeah. You know true. what I mean? Somebody might just start from one and say, I get it all. I was dead too. Yeah. You know, but I think that by me doing that, that will actually help to show people that evolution is real. You can't yeah. evolve. You don't have to remain stagnated and stuck in one place. Secondly, the flagship of everything that I'm doing is a mobile application that me and my wife is building called Paid Mills. Okay. So Paid Mills is something that we created to impact food insecurity worldwide, utilizing technology. So what we have nowadays, you know, there are numerous nonprofit organizations and charity groups that do tremendous jobs yeah. manually implementing things that contribute and give back to society yeah. abundantly. But what we've done, we've created an ecosystem using technology to where contributors can purchase meals for people in need through registered paid meals vendors. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So now basically you have at the touch of your hand, like I mean, right in your palm of yeah, your hand, if yeah. you feel compelled at that moment, you don't have to hesitate. Yeah. It's just boom, boom, boom. 
yeah. his requests coming through all day. Okay, cool. Oh, this guy want a meal. Let me pay for the meal. Or you see mm. someone in the street. They don't have a phone. They might be homeless. You just say, look, man, purchase you this meal. There's a restaurant around the corner. Just go around there, and that person can go in there, sit down, have a wow. dignified meal, and no one will never know. Wow. You know, his backstory. That's amazing, bro. Yeah. That's that's really giving yeah, back. Definitely. And I'm also working on a few other projects, you know, say I'm building um a, a, a virtual school right now for the Rohingya community in Georgia. So yeah. the Rohingyas are the Muslims that's being persecuted in Burma yeah. by the by the um by the Buddhists. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Go figure, these supposed to be like the real peaceful, yeah, tranquil yeah, yeah. people and they're actually oppressing Muslims in Burma. Wow. So some of them, many of them are on refugee status in Georgia. So I'm building a virtual school for them because bad enough, you know, they're being expelled from their own country, but then they're getting placed in the public school system, yeah. which is another attack on the sanctity of what they are upon, you know, the lifestyle that they're accustomed to. So I feel like if I can take them out of that environment, give them the opportunity to maintain an Islamic education alongside with a recognized or a state-recognized curriculum that's, you know what I'm saying, that's accepted in the United States, yeah. plus create a social environment for them so they don't become, you know, socially yeah. awkward. Yeah. You know, that's a start. Yeah. And then, inshallah, you know, it is scaled to a brick and mortar, you know what I'm saying, type of facility where I can actually expand off that effort. Yeah. So everything with me is all an extension of what resides in my heart. Yeah. I'm not reaching for anything. I'm not trying to do something that's out of my wheelhouse. Like, everything that I'm doing is an extension of myself, my character, and my intentions to do what I can possibly do within my scope of capacity. Wow. Wow, so there's a book coming, a documentary series. Uh, maybe this podcast is going to be in this documentary. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention yeah. the podcast. So, yeah, I'm working on the podcast. It should be out soon. So, you know, I'm always inspired by, um, you know, people who are connected to the culture. Because, honestly, you're a journalist. You know what I'm saying? You have a platform that allows you to be a voice for people who don't have a voice. Yeah. So, like, I don't condemn anybody else's efforts with podcasts. I've seen a lot of them turn into sheer entertainment, novelty stuff, just a place to vent and just be belligerent and yeah. out of pocket. And, and I mean, that's cool if that works for you. But we also have to be mindful that mainstream media has a very, very strong impact on the way we see things in our own community. True. So if we don't take the initiative to use our platforms to create a narrative that yeah. we understand. Yeah. Let our narrative be foreign to everybody yeah. else. Not their narrative be foreign to us. I believe that as well. Being, yeah, or we being excluded from yeah. getting the proper attention that other issues or other matters may get through mainstream media. Yeah. So, you know, the name of the podcast is called The Perspective and is a platform that enables you know, numerous people from different walks of life, different levels of expertise to give their perspective or opinion or views about certain subject matter that be, you know, established within that particular panel. Yeah. You know, so this way, you know, the, the listener can take away, benefit from all different views and decide for themselves what's applicable to their lives. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to have this conversation with someone that um, has so much experience in different fields. You've had the street life, went to a successful music career, went on your own, um, became Muslim, 
you got incarcerated, came out, and still right back at it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right yeah. Back it's, at it's, it. it's 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 because because a lot of people that watch this podcast. Um, I have a lot of different guests on the show, from successful rappers to also a guy, uh, Oki Durham. Um, he, he 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 stole like two Van Gogh uh, paintings. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the <laughs> yeah, he's next level. Yeah, he's next level. But 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 the thing that I like about this guy that he said like he stopped. Uh, he he um, he stepped out of the criminal life, and now he wants to help kids not to think. Highly of the criminal mind. He's like, I want to make it. Uh, I want to. I want to educate him that it's not the way to go. Yeah. So then I gave him a platform to talk about his expertise. Because yeah. if someone that hasn't led the life talks about, yo, you shouldn't do this. Why should the youth listen to you? Because you don't know how how it is. He was like, he said, like I was a multi millionaire off of stealing, so I was already rich. And he stopped all of that. So so I gave him a platform, but also had this other guy that almost got killed with a Hummer that drove over him, but he made it and and he just and he was sitting here talking about how you gotta get back up. Shout out to Donnie. So so I have different people with different stories. Now I got Loon, yeah. <laughs> the guy that was like selling millions of records. Um he's right here. In my podcast, and I love that, and and that comes from God, yeah, because uh, I believe in the fact that I am I'm, I'm here for a reason. Uh, the same the same way how I give people platforms to talk, and it's not to 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 like what I said. Like my my purpose is being a voice for the voiceless, um, helping people that are watching right now, listening right now, to figure out their life because we're all looking and all searching for mm-hmm. our path. Like we 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 get put here and we're like, okay, what do I do now? Do I go left? Do I go right? Yeah. So we're always navigating. And the thing about life is, every day we get a choice to be a better version or not a better version. It's all about choices. Absolutely. Every day is is, is a choice. So I want to thank you for making a choice to come to my podcast. <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's great uh, looking out. But could you also like for the people that are still watching, um, that that have no idea about how successful music life looks like. Could you depict like how how your days were like looking when you had a number one records, right? How what were you doing? Like now you're like devoted Muslim, you're laid back, you're at peace. But how crazy is that fast life? Yeah. Well the thing is, I'm gonna give you a statement, you know what I'm saying? You know, the prophet Sallam used to mention Mantada Minhu. So whoever leaves off something for the sake of Allah, for the sake of God, he replaces it with something better. You understand? So when people look at everything that I left off and where I'm at now, the most important thing I want people to take away is is something that's priceless, and that's peace. You can't buy it, you know what I'm saying? Can't purchase it, can't steal it. You know what I'm saying? And you can't live vicariously through somebody else who got peace. Yeah. You got to find your own. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I just want people to understand that, and we already know this, like everything that glitters is not gold. All money is not good money. Yeah. You know? You have to be able to live with yourself. You know what I'm saying? And me and you discussed this earlier about love. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When you ask people, 
about something that they're deeply invested in. You ask them, do they love it? And they go to looking up in that Rolodex in their head, I immediately at that moment know it's not something that you love. Yeah, yeah. Because love is something spontaneous. Yeah, you would just know it. You would just know yeah. at that moment. Yeah. And you will stand on it. Yeah. Even in some sense, get defended, defensive yeah. or offended. Like, what yeah, you yeah. mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I love this. Yeah. I'll do it for free. Yeah. That's a clear indication of doing something you love. Yeah. But I definitely want to advise people to understand that, you know, change is possible. You know, and change starts with foundation. Yeah. Our purpose of creation. Allah says in the Quran, man wa insa illa I did not create the jinn or men except that they worship me. So that means our purpose of creation is to worship the one that created us. Yeah. All the other things become bonuses. Yeah. But you establish a foundation first and foremost, knowing why you was created. Because that's going to become very puzzling right now in this generation yeah. with all this gender identity stuff, all of this confusion that's being spewed at this generation of kids. They're overwhelmed with information. They're overwhelmed with all kinds of controversy and conspiracy and all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So establishing the understanding of your purpose of why you're here is more important now than it has ever been. And I believe that if anybody is listening, search that sincerely from your heart. Ask God to guide you to that which is pleasing to him. And if that heart is sincere and your intentions are pure, I truly pray that you find guidance and understanding of first and foremost, why you here. Yeah. Has nothing to do with your tribe, has nothing to do with your race, your ethnicity, because we are human beings. We are one race. Yeah. That no one has exclusive rights over God's religion. True. So when people start trying to invest in all these ancient tribes and we were all kings, we couldn't all be kings because kings got servants. Yeah. Everybody want to be king. You ever yeah, notice yeah, that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we was yeah. kings. Yo, what yeah. up, king? What up, king? Like, okay, who's going to serve? Yeah. I ain't never heard of a king that served another king. Yeah, true. You know what I'm saying? And it's <laughs> yeah. just, you know, and, and that's just us reaching and searching yeah. for some sense of being, some sense of purpose. Yeah. So that's why I'm telling you, your purpose is to worship the one that created you. Yeah. And it's not in the way that you choose. We true. have to follow the messages that he sent. We have to follow the book that was revealed to us in order to implement that yeah. to the best of our ability. So inshallah, you know, I pray that, you know, Allah guide us and rectify all our affairs. And make this, you know, conversation a benefit for the people. Yeah. And may Allah continue, you know, saying to guide you and rectify your affairs. And, you know, I pray that, you know, you continue to sincerely take your platform and educate. Yeah. And aid and assist because it's needed more now than anything. True. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Real talk, man. That that's That's the reason I put the platform together. And one of the reasons, like, we spoke of air about um, DMX. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he means a lot to me because <clears throat> he was one of my rap heroes. Um, and also because his story, he was a very genuine dude. He I interviewed real. him years back in, in, in Amsterdam. So, yeah, so you, you have also a DMX he story? He was real. Yeah? He was real. DMX, and I'm going to do this in closing. I remember the first time I met X was in Cancun, Mexico. And 
I forgot where I was at. But he just pulled up in like a Jeep Laredo. Yeah. No, you know, the Jeep, they ain't got no top, no nothing. And just pulled up. Like, Loom, what up, dog? Get in. Yeah. It's like, yo, first of all, why yeah. is he even driving in Mexico? Yeah. That's the yeah, first yeah. thing. Yeah. Second of all, it's like, you know, he hadn't quite peaked yet. Yeah. He was still known on mixtapes. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is like 99. Yeah. So I jumped in the joint. He had a, a bottle of liquor. It was pitch black. He must yeah. have took everything off the top shelf. Yeah. Nothing light was in there. Yeah. Not a, not a vodka, a gin, nothing. He had all dark cone, it just all yeah. dark stuff. Hit that joint. Like, Drink that dog. I'm looking at him like, yo, dog. Great. Like, you know, he's like, it's the peer pressure was crazy because it's like, I just admired him so much. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, yo, the only way to hang with him is to hang with him. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to put that joint to my lips. It felt like a volcano was on my mouth. I said, yo, this guy is crazy. So we get to, I forgot where he performed, and Clue was DJing. Yeah. And the way the club was, it had like a tier. Yeah. You know, an upstairs tier. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it looked like a prison tier. It's just yeah. a bar, you know what I'm saying? Yo, he jumped up on the bar, and I'm talking about the bar is this big. Yeah. I was looking at what he was drinking. <laughs> you don't need to be on nothing that narrow. Yeah. So he jumps up on the joint. <clears throat> He's like, Clue. Yeah. Get at me. Yeah. Record start. Oh, wow. He start rocking. He was doing good at me, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he rocking his joint, and the, and, the, and the album skipped. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude lost his mind. Oh, wow. He was like, yo, Clue, do not do me dirty, dog. Yeah. Do not. Yeah. And you can hear him over everything. It doesn't matter how loud a, cloud, a crowd or club is. Yeah. His voice projects over everything. Yeah. Clue bought the record back. He went back to rocking again. And just like you, I'm sitting up there looking at this dude yeah. from downstairs because he just ditched me and ended up there. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. looking up, I'm like, yo, this dude going to be big. Yeah. I knew from that moment, yeah. I said, yo, this dude yeah. right here, if special, he man. don't command yeah. rightful intention, yeah. I mean, attention, like I'm talking about, like, you got to pay attention to yeah. him. And it's not like he's seeking it for some type of, you know, self-praise. It's no, like, he was, this just what you get. Yeah, he was. So, you know, definitely, man, you know, I miss him. And, you know, he definitely was someone who was definitely impactful yeah. in my life, my generation at the time. Yeah. You know, and I don't think it's going to be another one. I don't I don't think either, man. That, that, that's one, because um, one of my guests asked me, what's the thing with the speaker? I was like, X forever, because like X was one of my uh, rap heroes, and I just I want want to honor him. Like just be like, just like as the person he was, um, he went through a lot, and he was very. I remember like Swiss Beat saying like like he was tormented with a lot of lot of his his inner demons, and he was also uh, addicted the crack, and his best friend put like the 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 the, the, the crack dust, in his, yeah, yeah in, in his joint, and I was like, wow, imagine. The one that taught you how to rap and told you I had rap talent is also the same one that introduced you to your biggest demon. And that was always something that that always touched my soul. Was like, wow, like uh, you never know. Like the blessing could also be the curse. Because yeah. he was the biggest rapper, five number one consecutive yeah. number one albums, but he was also cursed with with that baggage on his so on his shoulders. 
See, the thing with that is, and that, and that, and that actually, you know, in closing, is why I accepted Islam. Because when you start to excel in that business, like I told you, there's a certain ceiling that everybody reaches. Yeah. Past that ceiling is just a pissing contest of who made the most money last yeah. year. After that is the Forbes battle. Yeah. But as far as that ceiling, everybody acquires it at yeah. some point. Some hold on to it longer than others. But once you get there, you start losing parts of yourself. Yeah. So to watch somebody like X, Tupac, several artists that publicly and openly fought those demons versus those who just succumbed to them. Yeah. That's the thing. You got some that just submit to it. Yeah, yeah. They just going to be, they going to be who they are. Yeah. They just going to be, you know, they going to accept the evil, the torment and everything and just accept that and submit to it. Yeah. And when you see a person openly fighting, fighting for their life. Yeah. But it's being overshadowed by success. It's being overshadowed by what they have and what you think they can give you or what you think you can obtain by being in their presence. Yeah. That actually increases the burden. Yeah. And we don't realize that we hurting each other by only wanting something from somebody that's wanting something or needing something yeah. greater than what you think you can get from them. True. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, at some point we got we to gotta grow up. Yeah. You know, we got to be accountable. We got to accept that, you know, you only got one shot at this. True that. You know what I'm saying? True once, that. Once you're gone, you're gone. Yeah, you got one life. Yeah, we can light candles forever, wear yeah. shirts and all of that. But at the end of the day, that person has to be resurrected at some point. And he has to stand before the Lord and he has to be accounted for what he done in this life. Real talk. You can't bro. hold his hand. Yeah. Bro, I want to I thank you for this... Uh, Amazing conversation. Um, like I said, my, 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 my podcast is about spreading knowledge, um, having great conversations, learning about how, how one has seen the highs and lows in life. Um, like I said, nobody's perfect, yeah. but we just have to try to figure out our way and how to figure out and become the best version of ourselves. Absolutely. And um, I want to thank you for your time and uh, bless you with all the great stuff. Now, I appreciate you. I appreciate you extending your platform, giving me a voice, you know, because I mean, like I said, you're in a very privileged position. You know what I'm saying? We control our narrative now. Yeah. Once upon a time, it wasn't this easy. Yeah. You know, you Still had, fighting for it, bro. Yeah. I, I believe, like, in the media, I just wanted another voice because, like I, like I said, like, I grew up in this industry and I've seen so many platforms out there, but don't tell the whole story. Nah. And I made it my business to tell the whole story. Well, so I don't care. About... <laughs> we, we just did that. Yeah, we, we gave it the real story. <laughs> so I want to thank you. Thank you very much. And whenever you're in the Netherlands again, you're always welcome. Nah, if you want to vent, you want to talk, you want to... Uh, talk about your new documentary, your book. You're welcome. No, um, also want to give a special shout, shout out to Fuat. Uh, he's right there behind yeah, the camera. Boy. Yeah, that's my um, boy. He, he, he brought you out here. He's all, always busy with great stuff. Fuat Xia, 
Broski, shout out to you. It's not even liefde. We got some crazy projects uh, coming out. Blessings to him. And I'll put his, his, his contacts down below. So if you want to connect with him, it's all possible. It's all about spreading love. Um, so you heard it. It's Real Talk, the podcast. Ik heb je al gezegd. Uh, internationaal. Ik doe het al jaren. Ik heb de grootste artiest geïnterviewd. Maar ik blijf humble. Want ik blijf bouwen. Want ik wil sowieso die kennis delen. Dus als je thuis zit en je wilt op een gegeven moment meer kennis opdoen. Abonneer op het kanaal. Like, subscribe. Ik heb van alles en nog wat ge- geïnterviewd. Uh, maar deel het gewoon. Weet je, als je kennis hebt opgedaan. En je wil ook dat je buurmeisje of je buurman, whatever, ook nog kennis op doet. Deel het gewoon. Deel het vermenigvuldigen. Je hoort het net. Ik heb gewoon hier gewoon een superster in de building gehad. Die ook op een gegeven moment besloten heeft om de andere kant op te gaan. Dus het real talk. Y'all know him as Loon, but I know him now as Amir. So, we doing this, man. Good vibes only. Keep it out and keep it back. And I know leaks. You don't know.